This is a podcast about Vancouver, our community, our culture, our quirks, and all the colors that combine to make our city of glass. My name's Mo Amir, and I'll be your host. This is Van Color. Sherlock Knives is it, so I'll hurry up on it. This is Van Color. Today on This is Van Color, I'm joined by an independent Vancouver City Council candidate and long-standing community advocate. In 2016, she founded the Overdose Prevention Society in Vancouver, where she and other volunteers pitched a tent in a downtown east side alleyway with just a couple of tables and a basket of clean needles and a supply of naloxin. This unsanctioned pop-up supervised injection site was an urgent response to the fast-growing number of opioid overdoses in the area. That tent is now a trailer and has received support from the BC Ministry of Health. She has made national headlines for helping to start a new model of care for people with addictions, which has been a key factor in reducing overdose deaths and is now being adopted across Canada. Last year, she and the Overdose Prevention Society received the first ever BC Civil Liberties Association Jennifer Prosser Wade Award for Courage. She has also served two terms with the Vancouver Park Board, the mighty, mighty Sarah Blight. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I, I really do appreciate it. I'm honored to have you here. Thank you. You've shook the whole city. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> in, in, terms of, in terms of the election, um, you know, you might be my most high-profile episode, with all due respect to Kennedy and Ken and Shauna, because you've been in the news quite a bit. You're getting a lot of press. A lot of people are learning about you and your work. And I want to talk to you about the election, of course, but I also want to talk about what just happened on Friday, September 14th. The Vancouver police raided your Overdose Prevention Society site on 62 East Hastings Street, which, with the affiliated High Hopes Cannabis Dispensary, was offering drug users, uh, drug users free cannabis to reduce their dependence on powerful opioids. Now, there are about 60 unlicensed marijuana dispensaries in Vancouver, but on this day, yours, the one providing relief for some of our city's most vulnerable citizens, was targeted to much criticism across the city and the country. VPD spokesperson Jason Doucette said very broadly that informal attempts to resolve this issue were not successful and that the VPD is now taking enforcement action. So what happened, including your interactions with the VPD prior to that raid uh, with regard to the cannabis that you were giving as a medical treatment or uh, alleviation for opioids dependence? Well, to be honest, uh, I, I didn't really understand that a raid was going to take place in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so when the police officers came, I, as usual, when police officers would ask about the program, we would say, this is our program, this is what we do, this is how we help people. Um, there's a volunteer there at all times. They, they talk to people and make sure that um, uh, they know what, what dose, what product, um, have all kinds of information on, on what they are receiving and, and you know, it, whether they understand cannabis and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so uh, the police came in and they just, they, 
they were quite aggressive and actually these two officers in particular are known to be quite aggressive um, in the community and um, so I just I didn't assume that they were going to take anything and and when they started to you know uh, start to go towards it to take it away um, I started to realize that there was uh, another issue and uh, and didn't answer any questions and at that time they took it from us saying that no one was um, no one has, was claiming it mm-hmm. and uh, but for a year they've over a year they've known we've always been open about our program uh, we've done many me- like we've been in the media about it the police have um, department has commented on it saying that they uh, are you know not going to bother any harm reduction that we do mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and it's it's just a way for people to have safe access to something that's beside um, uh, you know the the substances that are killing people in the street we know what it is we know what dose it is they Mm -hmm. they can use it for sleep they've we've done studies on it there's multiple studies happening right now on our program Mm -hmm. and um it's it's showing that uh folks are able to get off the harder drugs onto something that's not going to kill them that provides pain relief it can uh, provide relief from trauma um, I've seen people's lives change completely. People who haven't used it as a substitute before are considering it as mm-hmm. one. Were the police, like, had you had interactions with them? You're saying, like, you had no idea that they were going to come in and and do this. No. Yeah. I, uh, I know that they had questioned, uh, had some questions about it the day before, but I had no idea that they were coming in to do a raid, no. And 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 I, I really would think in the middle of an overdose crisis where I personally am saving people's lives every day, Mm-hmm. Um, and also our volunteers, I, I, I would have thought that this would be like the lowest thing on their priority list right. possible in the universe. Yeah. Um, I couldn't think of a, um, a, a more, I mean, maybe it was cause it was easy. I'm not really Did sure. Did they come in as if it was a raid or were they kind of looking around first and then decided to do this? Like, uh, No, they came in and they targeted it. They came in and then they, they knew exactly start, what yeah, they were, they knew what they were doing. They were like, we're going to do this. And they started to do it. And I was pretty shocked about the whole thing, considering um, like right now, one of the biggest lifesavers that we have is getting people safe alternatives to the, the, the uh, drugs that they're buying in the street. Mm-hmm. Some people with terminal illness or are in a wheelchair or they're um, they're living with trauma when they come off of the hard drugs really quickly without a another substance um, like everything comes back the pain comes back the trauma comes back so it's it's not like you can just take a little bit of opiates once you've kind of gotten into that situation Mm -hmm. so this really helps even with like there there's studies showing that with suboxone uh, which um, which you can use to get off of opiates. Uh, it stops the withdrawals, but then you you are faced also with the reality of of trauma, right. which could also be in your life. So this can help with that, and it can help with other drugs to help them come off of drugs. So mm-hmm. so many studies are being done. Um, lots of studies. We've had studies on ours. We've had data for good. Analyze those studies. And um, we've just seen time and time again that it's helping people reduce their use. It's helping people come off completely. It's helping people um, that have mental health issues, physical health issues. We have interest from, we just started a study today 
uh, with UBC. They're going to be studying. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're they're just collecting information on people who've been using the program. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we have uh, Dr. Evan Wood and MJ Malloy. Uh, there's a, a professorship um, out of UBC that's starting, and they're going to be analyzing how it's helping people get off of opiates mm-hmm. and what you know the different kinds. And so we are we are like probably five years ahead of our time. We're just cutting edge and it's you know sometimes when you're doing things like when we did our overdose prevention site that was an illegal action too sure. and, and, and and to be clear and and oh. some and some t- sorry and That's so okay. and and so we cut like we we just said you know what sometimes it's illegal but then it's the right thing to do right. so we just we just you know, we just take your chances. And to be clear, the the cannabis that you were providing, that's free. You're not selling it. You're not trafficking it. Yeah. They, so, kept, they kept so, saying traffic, drug trafficking okay, in so, that video, right? So we have um, we have a program where you we charge basically very, very minimal amount of money to okay. pay the volunteer that sits at the table. Sure. So um, something that would cost like 80 bucks in a store in a in a dispensary down the street would cost like 20 bucks. Mm, okay. or 10 bucks or five bu- depending on how mm. much or if we get it or some things that would be donated some things that would we'd have to buy mm. so to, in order to have the supply every single day and pay some a volunteer from the downtown east side uh just to be there at the table every day because there's nobody w- that would be volunteering every day so yeah fair enough but you know i like that's i wouldn't it, it's the lowest priority I would say. Yeah, and and you've been very outspoken about the police so, presence. I mean, right now we're 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 looking at doing it kind of a, a slightly different model where um, we're going to do get, get a research license. So we're working on that. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so that we can you know pay a volunteer through you know a grant or something like that, and then they can run the program, and then we don't have to. There doesn't have to be you know that uh, the transaction mm-hmm. um, uh, that would make it illegal although lots of dispensaries are doing that right now in Vancouver and uh, none of them are having any I, I just I really don't see the issue in what we're doing yeah and and, and prior to the raid um, you've also been quite outspoken about the police presence just around the overdose prevention yeah. society site have they ever told you why they're there why their presence is there and I mean you've sort of touched on this already but do you feel that you've come under undue scrutiny? from the VPD? Well, I, you know, I'm on the front lines. So I'm working with people who are drug users um, up to, I see about up to 700 people sometimes a day. Wow. Yeah, anywhere from 300 to 500, but sometimes 700 people in a day. We see people and I'm in the market and in the alley. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hearing people's stories. And so sometimes... um, I am the person who intervenes in situations where I see that someone's in handcuffs that I know personally mm. um, that may not have done something or, um, or you know, I, I'm at least wanting to make sure that they know their rights because there's the block is filled with police officers asking people questions and do you know that you don't actually have to talk to police officers? Mm. Um, they are very friendly and they start to lead with questions and I feel like, and Pivot's been down there as well, and uh, there's a feeling of just um, injustice for people in the downtown east side. If you're poor, you look poor. They ask you if you have receipts. 
for anything, even if it's your groceries. Uh, We've seen people... um, have a multitude of problems, like even getting their their uh, sleeping bags taken away, or um, their tents taken away, or their hmm. possessions taken away. And um, I'm usually the one, or one of a few people, who come up and say, "Hey, like, what is going on here?" And I'm try to make sure that there's justice for people who are p- living in poverty, because um, so I don't. And it's not. It's just because sometimes you know, folks are. You know, they need someone because I I imagine if you lived in any neighborhood and you had police all up and down your street asking you questions all day. I mean, and and based on sometimes color, based on being poor, based on many different things. And it Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel like there's justice for people. And it doesn't feel like um, people's rights are being respected. And I... I, you know, I wouldn't say that for every police officer, for sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, we want we need police officers in the downtown Absolutely. east side. It's just if they need to be trained properly, they need to to have compassion and they need to give people their distance unless unless you know they really do believe someone is doing something. Mm-hmm. And I guess um, what's so interesting about this particular incident is that, like you said, you know, you are quite well known in the community. It's not that you're hiding anything or you just you just popped up. You've been doing this for for at least a couple of years now. And everyone seems to know what you're doing. You're cultivating these other partnerships with uh, other groups and and research groups. So it does seem, um, it seems strange that that suddenly this would happen. And for you to be in this advocacy role for, we'll say, marginalized people, um, you obviously do have to have a relationship with, with the VPD as well. So what is your relationship like with with the police officers have you been able to maybe sit down with them or 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 someone and explain exactly what you are doing and and why it's important well i've worked in the downtown east side for about 12 years now and uh like i've we're had a very good relationship uh with the vpd um for a long period of time and i mean i've heard in housing or at a homeless shelter Mm -hmm. there was you know times where um, we'd call for, you know, 911 and the VPD would come to like a mental health issue. And I didn't think that was, um, appropriate, but I mean, in general, uh, you know, I've had very good working relationships with some VPD officers over the years. Um, but on the zero block, it just seems like, um, it just seems, I, I don't know. Um, it just seems very aggressive and, uh, a presence there right now where mm-hmm. where folks are um where folks are just constantly being asked if that's theirs or do they have a receipt for that even if it's their bag of groceries or um you know and i and i'm just hearing over and over again mm-hmm. the story of injustice that sounds the same yeah so like it's just the same set of circumstances and uh i mean regardless of whether um police are there and they're being kind when you start an interaction with the police in the downtown east side it it's hard on a person right yeah if, they're intimidating i yeah. mean even for even if you're yeah. not so poor if a police the comes up side. and starts talking to you even if they seem nice and mm-hmm. they start asking you questions about this and that and and that's what they do all day mm-hmm. and some of it's friendly but i mean i think they have to also understand that they're 
in a position of authority over a person who may be homeless, yeah, who may uh, be doing survival sex trade, may be doing a lot of different survival, um, act, you know, things that uh, is difficult for a person. I mean, we just don't understand. Like, we don't live in an alley in the freezing cold and rain. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many more people than ever doing that, and it's really quite sad and uh and then to be totally policed and have all your stuff taken away repeatedly you know you get to a point where like where's the hope for people yeah you know what i mean Mm. and then you add fentanyl and you add other things into the mix and it's just a terrible situation and like with the market and the overdose prevention site we're create trying to you know we've we've tried to create this situation where um, there's a place for people to go and vend, a community for people to be part of, mm-hmm. and then they can go to the overdose prevention site and be cared for, and we can help them get housing, we can help them um, find recovery places. I mean, it's not all about, you know, cannabis. It's There's sure. all kinds of things going on, and that's just a small, tiny part of it, but it's an important part because right now, everybody mm-hmm. in, in healthcare um, that knows anything about uh, about the opiate... O- uh, or the epidemic, the overdose epidemic, mm-hmm. um, is saying that that decriminalization is the way, getting right. people safe access to drugs. That's yeah. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what we're doing. And and you're one of the leaders. Yeah. Uh, I mean, l- like I alluded to earlier, what you're doing is being modeled across the country. Yeah, now. you could ask, you know, pretty much anyone. Give them, and even, you know, the VPD, I'm sure they would say this as well. Yeah. Giving them safe access to drugs will stop crime. Like, it'll, you know, uh, stop, like, uh, survival drug dealing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because you'd be giving people safe access. They they sure. would get their own supply from a, a doctor or a medical professional who would give them a proper dose that mm-hmm. wouldn't have fentanyl or pig dewormer or you know, any other thing Mm -hmm. in it. I I mean, the pop-up dispensary that we did uh, basically was an effort to do something where we have no, like, we feel like we're at a situation where we're helpless. Mm -hmm. Um, It came from an idea um, uh, that my partner had. He came back from Afghanistan and, and a lot of veterans um, he wasn't a veteran, he was a photographer, but um, veterans uh, use cannabis um, and there's a veteran association where they, they, they fight to use cannabis as, uh, as help for PTSD. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people use it for PTSD. A lot of people, and we were just started to read about it and look into it and it's good for cancer and, and fibromyalgia and like is this for real? Could this, could this, I mean, it's certainly not everything. Mm-hmm. It's one little piece. And to be honest, we would love to be able to give out a synthetic heroin or heroin right at our overdose prevention site. I would be, if someone said that we could do that right tomorrow, I would be doing that. And you're not doing that, but you are testing uh, other drugs as well, right? You're, you're testing other drugs? Uh, like if someone brings heroin. I, I saw a yeah, video yeah, clip yeah, yeah, where you yeah. were... So we will test people's... Yeah. Um, and actually, we may um, get very soon be using a spectrometer to test for drugs and what is in those drugs. But one of the scariest things um, that we found with testing drugs is that, um, with the spectrometer at Insight, is that um, like pig dewormer, cement, uh, rat poisoning, 
you name cement? it, really? cement, every, anything that wow. you can imagine, they use as filler in the drugs to fill it up to make it more. They put fentanyl in it. So like there's a guy at a drug dealer at the top and mm-hmm. he brings in the stuff or whatever, if it's heroin. Yeah. And then the guy below that goes, oh, I'm going to make a little more money and add yeah. something to it. And then the guy below it does the same thing. And then, you know, because everybody's trying to make a little bit of extra money. And then when it gets to the, you know, whoever's going to use it through all these different levels, sure. it becomes a super top toxic uh, substance. And that's what's killing people. Yeah. And that's Crazy. what we're seeing. And then we're dealing with overdoses every day. So, so and let's sometimes th- the overdoses are just so many that it's hardly manageable. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, and people dying. And, you know, we're just sick of it. So yeah, and, we're and doing we stuff. Be. Yeah. No, we're and, doing stuff and it's creative and it's, it's groundbreaking and it's, Maybe not what, you know, make some certain police officers happy, but mm-hmm. it's the right thing to do. And I know we're on the right side of history. Absolutely. Now, I, I just want to get back to the story. You were, you were telling me how this site came up. Yeah. Um, I think I took you on a on a tangent there. But but I do want to know the story behind the Overdose Prevention Society. You're saying your partner came yeah. back. Um, how, did, how did this all come about? Um, like the actual overdose prevention society, uh, or high hopes, you mean? Um, I, I guess the actual overdose prevention society, and then we can talk about the affiliation with high hopes as well, but. Okay. Yeah. So the overdose prevention society, I was work, I was managing this market, which is a, a market for vendors in the down honey side. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come together, they buy, sell, trade with each other. And it's a, it's a fabulous place. It's got about a, a hundred, uh, tables and chairs and they, people bin things and it's just a quite a amazing place and um so I was managing that and uh all of a sudden like it just seemed like there was an increase in um overdoses in the alley because mm-hmm. uh, the alley is one of the two busiest for drug users in probably all of Canada right and then in the front street there was more and more overdoses happening hmm. and so we were uh we were just we started to prepare ourselves um, just because people would come and we you know say there's an overdose and we would run down. I'd worked at Insight, so I okay I, I knew what I was doing, and uh, so then we trained people and then the city trained three hundred people and that was really good, um, but people um, but uh, what happened was uh, it just more and more people were overdosing and and we just needed to do something so we set up a little tent like a just like a little military style pop-up tent mm-hmm. with like um, some Narcan, like you said, and some um, naloxone and then some volunteers who would uh, exactly kind of like high hopes, but just like a different situation. Sure. And then they, they would, um, if an overdose happened, they would go down and, and deal with it. And then people started coming to us and saying, hey, uh, you know, do you mind if you watch me use this just to make sure I'm okay? And we just wow. it grew from that, grew from a couple tables, it grew to more tables, and then it grew into, um, you know, we did a group GoFundMe campaign, we raised money to pay the the volunteers, yeah, and then it we turned it into a, or the Minister of Health Terry Lake came down mm-hmm. and he was like, wow, this is actually really good, we should need to do more of this, this is actually saving lives because mm-hmm. they would see people there's lives being saved and then um i it it grew and and then we went inside and now we're in an in a new building and we continue how, how to help people, people and, and and basically it was just i mean to be honest like from the from like very early on we were we were thinking like how do we get like something to give them mm-hmm. 
like they do at Crosstown Clinic, which gives that people um, they give people uh, safe access to drugs that won't kill them. Right. And there's about 100 people in that program. We're like, we just got, you know, I mean, when you're dealing with overdoses all day, every day, um, you're just thinking like, get us something to give these folks that they're not going to die. Like help Mm -hmm. us right now. Nobody wants to, you know, bring people, you know, save people's lives over and over again. Uh, They want to be able to give them something that will help them. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's so clear when you're on the front lines, what needs to be done. So clear. It's just so clear to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what makes this situation with high hopes so ridiculous because Anyone who understands the situation, it's just, it's like the, the silliest. So you've explained the the Overdose Prevention Society. Mm-hmm. For people who don't know, what so what is High Hopes? What is the affiliation with High Hopes? How does how does that work? Well, High Hopes is just a its own initiative. Okay. Um, it's it's not really you know it's it's sort of in a it's in the gray area where the the all the dispensaries have been opened mm-hmm. um, in the past year. So it's kind of a a program that we tried to put together, sort of like the Overdose Prevention Society, where people could have safe access to a drug that won't kill them mm-hmm. and have the highest quality and have something consistent, so that when they come there every day. The same thing's there. It's like Starbucks. They get what they need. It helps them with pain. It helps them with trauma and stress. They have someone to talk to. They don't want to, you know, th- we also have Narcan there. Um, we also have uh, trained people. They're both trained in overdoses. There are still overdoses in the market. They help deal with those. Yeah. Um, they also uh, have, they, uh, the, but, but I'm lost for words. No, that's okay. That's okay. I, I guess I'm just trying to square this in my own head. So they're a separate organization. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are, are, and you're you're just affiliated and involved with them, or is it an organization that you started as well? You know, it, yeah. I'm I'm involved with that organization. It's it's kind of a. It's not been really formalized. Okay. Um, because of what it is, we're trying to figure out what it needs to be. Sure. To exist, especially since October. 17th is coming with legalization and mm-hmm. we realize that what it needs to be is a is research yeah we need to research this because it's incredible like if we could get people coming out of the hospital using cannabis for pain relief as opposed to opiates mm-hmm. that would solve a lot of problems i think or some problems anyway it would solve a lot for sure yeah absolutely and, so, and it's not just cannabis that you guys are um uh, dealing with, but I, I heard you're also um, providing uh, kratom. Kratom. Yeah, we've got some yeah. kratom. Kratom works for some people. Uh, cannabis works for some people. Mm-hmm. CBD yeah. um, is which is non psychoactive. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all it really does is if you've got a headache mm-hmm. or you've got an- high anxiety. If you're having an anxiety attack, um, I've used it for anxiety attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had anxiety attacks, and it it literally helps just. You, you don't even feel a feeling. You just don't have an anxiety attack anymore. It's right. quite incredible. Are, are things like Kratom and CBD oil, are they legal? Like, I'm, I'm not sure where they are in the well, legal, legal if you're, spectrum. If, if you have, a, uh, a, like, a medical um, license, mm-hmm. um, I do. Uh, they are legal. Okay. Um, Even Kratom, you need a license uh, No, no, not Kratom. I okay. think Kratom is still, it's still not a... Um, it's not uh, it's not classified yet. Okay. 
So I, I think that they haven't, uh, it's kind of a newer thing that hasn't been, um, I don't know exactly where it's at, but um, it's effective and and lots of people know it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's been shown to be effective for people in the downtown east side as, as a substance that people are using that, um, and it's a leaf, it's a leaf that was, um, from the, uh, like the same as a coffee plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, So it's, it's just, you know, it's a natural substance that people have been using for hundreds of years and it's, it's um it's been helpful in in opiate replacement mm-hmm. and so uh you know it's it's harmless and people are trying it and it works for some people yeah and it doesn't work for every and cannabis doesn't work for everybody can and, and cbd doesn't work for and abstinence based you know abstinence helps it you know works for some people mm-hmm. it just depends on who you are but we need a bunch of different options for people yeah because i, I would assume that each person is infused with their own trauma or propensity towards addiction that you can't have like a one size fits all no. solution. No. Well, right? if you've got, uh, you know, mental health issues that mm-hmm. come back as soon as you're off opiates. So now you're dealing with withdrawal yeah. and mental health issues. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's impossible to be completely uh, sober or not. I'm not, I, I guess you wouldn't call it sober, but like completely without any kind of assistance. Sure. So, or at least something to get you to that next yeah. step. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or like pain. Uh, seniors. A lot of seniors are in a lot of pain. They they preferred. It's easier on their stomach. Mm-hmm. It gives them, you know, gives them back some ability to eat. Right. Um, yeah. Some. You know, we've seen a lot of seniors benefit in a lot of ways, and uh, that's actually been a more interesting thing. Is that seniors are really enjoying the ability to have something that's not as hard on their system as an opiate Mm -hmm. but actually gives them some comfort right yeah and is not addictive and you don't the problem with opiates is it it's like it becomes more addictive and it doesn't work as well for pain after time so people just kind of go up and up and up right and then they go to their doctor and go you know i've run out i need more and then they go oh you're addicted and then they go you know they have we, to find it somewhere else. Anywhere. Yeah. So they end up in the downtown east side or in some place, you know, finding opiates in the street, which contain fentanyls, and they die. Mm-hmm. When That's we talk the about the, the That's opioid... That's problem. When we talk about the opioid crisis and the opioid yeah. ep- epidemic, I was wondering if you could explain something to me. Are we talking about overdoses or poisonings? Or are we talking about both? We're talking about poisonings, basically. Okay. And it's the fe- it's yeah. the fentanyl and yeah. a few it's, of these other it's, things. Yeah. If if like one of the main things that that uh, people need to understand, it's knowing what you're taking and how much you're taking is mm-hmm. what you don't know when you buy stuff off the street. Right. Right. So when you go to Crosstown, you know there's been somebody who's looked at how much there is in there. Like it's been measured out. You're taking, you know, uh, like if it's the case of ca- cannabis, you'd be taking. 20 milligrams of CBD and it mm-hmm. would have this effect and you know that you're not, you know, taking too much. Yeah, you know the concentrations. You and, know the concentration yeah. of what you're taking, right? So, and that's really important, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't know what how much fentanyl you're taking, um, fentanyl would be safe if you knew how much there was in it. Right. Right? Yeah. It's just not knowing whether you're taking, you know, a little bit or way too much, enough right. to kill yourself, right? Yeah. So and when we are talking about the crisis, obviously we are talking about addiction, but um, we are talking about poisonings, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Taking unsafe doses without knowing it. 
Yeah. Now, according to federal government data, more than 11 Canadians die every day due to opioids, BC being hit the hardest. And I also read that in the first year, the Overdose Prevention Society had 100,000 visits or, or over that and prevented 300 overdoses. Uh, as we near the end of 2018, you know, what are the, the visits and the overdoses prevented looking like? Maybe not so much in hard data or, or the numbers, but is, is this thing getting worse or is it getting better? I would say that it's, it's uh, staying about the same. Okay. Um, in some ways, in some ways, uh, there's there's more contaminated uh, drugs out there. Really. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And and across Canada, as you can see, more people are dying in Ontario. More people are dying in different small towns. It seems right. to be spilling all across Canada. Yeah. Um, and we're it's it's worse in Vancouver, but we've got overdose prevention sites now, so we're able to save so many more lives that could have died. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's. It is kind of a, it's as bad as it ever was um, in some ways, but we're saving more lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vancouver Fire and Rescue Services recognized you and and the Overdose Prevention Society at City Hall, noting that for every one uh, naloxone injection administered by first responders, 100 were delivered by community volunteers like yourself. Now, when I hear that one to 100... That sounds like a really big gap in terms of the state response or the city's response that's required to save lives on the front line. We'll, we'll get into the election and your candidacy in a little bit, but what are your proposals for the city of Vancouver to do in order to take more action on the opioids crisis um, and, and on a larger scale addiction and, and mental health issues in the city, specifically the downtown east side? Well, I think it, I mean, my, all of the, everything starts with hope. And mm-hmm. housing and, you know, when people are living in an alley and they've got, you know, they're living um, in, in really terrible conditions in the rain and they don't have hope and they don't have a job and um, they don't have, you know, some of the things that you want to have in order to live a decent life, mm-hmm. like a roof over your head. And, you know, once you come out of detox or you can't get into detox and so more detox for sure. We need we need them immediately. We need um, safe drug access. We need that immediately. We need to work with all levels of government. The city needs to be involved as well, mm-hmm. more involved than they have been. Um, we need instead of to have police policing the street, we need to give people uh, ownership of their own community. We need people to put their own garbage in the garbage can. We need to help get you know pay those folks from the community to be doing that themselves. Mm-hmm. It needs to be more of a community effort of ownership and 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 caring and and culture saves lives is a beautiful example of of folks that come to the downtown east side and they drum and provide compassion community and um more of that just Mm -hmm. more caring culture loving um and and you know family and uh community as opposed to just police and um and just hopelessness. Yeah. So more jobs, people, you know, no matter, a lot of folks that have severe mental health issues have come to me and said, I can't keep a job. I can't get a job. Mm-hmm. So they're stuck, you know, with, uh, you know, not very much money and living in not that great of conditions. And they've got schizophrenia and they're left on their own or they've got other mental health conditions. 
and uh, and and it's really not good for a person to not feel that they belong, you know, that they can contribute something. Mm-hmm. I had one person say, "I wrote a resume a thousand times, I'll never get a job," and mm. it sucks for anyone yeah. not to feel like that they have something that could be contributed. Yeah, and I think we need to really look at how everybody contributes and the market is a great example and uh, some of the the work that's going on um uh with the overdose prevention society we hire people that from the alley and you know that are drug users we hire them we train them to help each other Mm -hmm. even high hopes um where you know are people from the community that that want to help people and that uh cannabis has helped them right um so they were the people who would take care of the the would volunteer at the booth and uh just providing opportunities for people to help each other and uh yeah and not be judged yeah and and not be stigmatized and be able to get mental health help uh get the kind of help that they need without you know without problems and to be honest if we could get if we could decriminalize survival sex trade uh you know would you wouldn't have to do that Mm -hmm. if you could have safe access to medication that you know what i mean sure yeah get you wouldn't break people wouldn't be breaking into cars people wouldn't do survival drug dealing um all of those things that are issues would be you know probably not erased but they would be reduced if we could get people something Mm -hmm. to ease their pain and trauma and proper help and healthy housing um, we're going to, and, and all levels of government really need to do that. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting Two two points that you brought up. The first is, um, more, uh, more of a culture shift towards more compassion. I think yeah. that's very important, um, for all of us, obviously for levels of government, but then specifically for government, you did sort of touch on this idea of, of housing. And when you have a homeless population, um, a lot of these people unfortunately suffer from mental health issues, obviously addiction. And you can't fix mental health issues, or not even fix, but alleviate or, or make things better when it comes to mental wellness or addiction without a safe shelter. Yeah. If you don't have a roof over your head, it's really hard yeah. to do all those other things and get a job. And, you know, like, it seems like we're all talking about housing and the housing affordability crisis. And unfortunately, a lot of people have platitudes about the downtown east side in the sense that they say, okay, and we're going to look at the downtown east side and we're really going to do some some work there. But I get um, I get very um, motivated or, or, or I like hearing when politicians actually talk about housing solutions for the most marginalized. Yeah. Because that's it's a spectrum when, when we look at housing, right? Mm-hmm. And we have yeah. to start there. Yeah, we do. Uh, and And – you know, I think the idea, uh, like, I think the city's done a pretty good job, um, actually a great job with the new container housing. I mm-hmm. think the, that's been really the tempor- great. Uh, temporary modular housing. Yeah, yeah. and I think, the, you know, those we types more of projects. Of yeah, we need more of that. Um, that's a great place. People are very happy uh, moving in there. And, you know, that's there's hope in that, mm-hmm. um, living in a, a nice, pl- a decent place where other people are living that you know and, and uh, that creates community and stability, and then maybe there's jobs for folks um, in the community. Um, also, mental health help. Um, also, co-op housing. That's another uh, type of housing that everybody can move into. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be on all income levels. We need 
they stopped building them in the 90s, the federal government. We mm-hmm. need to start building those again. Yeah. We need to get people of all income levels. Uh, you know, there's a waiting list for co-op housing. People like it. It's a great way to have a community. Mm-hmm. Um, you you give a down payment and, and you can live there. And if your wages go up, you your, your rent goes up. If your wages go down, your rent goes down. And, it, right. and there's... And and it just it makes a lot of sense um, to have something that's not quite owning, but it's not uh, it's not renting either. So mm-hmm. you have a bit more ownership in that. Yeah. So absolutely. I think that a lot of people really like that kind of housing, and and it works for a lot of people. So more community type housing, um, just housing in general. Actually, people are really needing housing in Vancouver. For sure. It's, it's rent keeps going up, and wages don't stay the same, and everybody's upset, and it's quite a situation that so we're let's in right let's now. get into it let's get into your candidacy yeah um you've obviously been a longtime community advocate you have been involved in politics before sitting on the park board um and now you're running for city council mm-hmm. so i asked this to every politician that we have on the show and i'm gonna ask you the same thing why are you running and why now uh well i'm running because in the past, I've done a lot of a lot of activism work, and I and and basically, I care to help people. I've been um, I know what the system looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been an activist. I've been on park board. I've I've learned about the in like how to be an activist and get stuff done. Like I started with skateboard parks. We ended up building eight skateboard parks, um, and I I learned how to you know, work with communities on a project that they didn't necessarily like skateboarders <laughs> and, you know, building them in their communities, making noise and teenagers and this and that and and how to, you know, build positive relationships with community members so that they see that this is actually young people and they're getting, you know, they're out of their basements and they're not playing video games mm-hmm. and they deserve a place in society where where they, where they have something good to do and we should foster that and that take that took a lot of work to mm-hmm. do all of that and then after you know slightly after that i after i'd learned sort of all of this process um i'd worked with park commissioners and uh city staff and i just thought that i had something that i could offer people and uh about uh how to be an activist and 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 i when i was a commissioner i always looked for these new ideas were kind of out of the box and different like dude chilling park yeah (laughs) you know they put that in there and it was in the general manager's office and i was like that is the coolest thing ever let's put that back in the park totally and so then uh that was you know those are kind of neat stories but um other be the first ever bmx park we did the kite surfing launch um we did the first ever uh bike polo place like i would really Wanted to make sure that there was opportunities for young people to have fun in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it be art, we, the field houses, uh, people were moving out of the field houses and parks, and we decided to make them into um, artist studios. Okay, cool. And uh, and repurpose them, and so we moved a bunch of artists into those studios, and that was just an idea. And and it, but it was also like internally figuring out how to work within the bureaucracy to make things right. happen for people, but also being on the activist side and being the person who's pushing yeah. um, bureaucracy to, and, and, and I think I have a very good understanding of both of those things. Absolutely. And I've been very yeah. successful doing both. And I think I can help people. If someone comes to me with an idea, 
I'm the Zelda master. <laughs> you come to me and I go, hey, you should talk to this person about this and this person and then then talk to that person and then, you know, this is how it's going to work, you know, and this is the time frame it's going to take you mm-hmm. and, you know, whether it's a possibility or being honest with people, even in city council meetings, people need someone just to tell them like it is. And yeah. I, I feel like I'm that type of a person where... um or I've been told that I just tell it like it is. So, I've only been chatting with you for a little bit, and I think you are. So yeah, I think that's so, a great quality. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. So anyways, that's kind of what I hope to bring for people is just well, to, to have someone there that's uh, that's one of them. And people say that when when I'm running, that it's I like they identify. There's a group, at least a a, a group of people that identify with me, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I feel like I'm pretty grassroots. Sure. And uh, and grassroots, and and I'm a, an activist, and I'm a organizer, and I'm a, you know, a person who loves people and helping people, and actually helping educate people to learn about things that are maybe controversial. Mm-hmm. But you know, if we can get over the hump, even just with high hopes, it's it's controversial, but it's it's going to be, you know totally accepted in in the next year or two and it it'll be it's the some i can predict it to be the way of the future mm-hmm. um because of all the studies that are happening right now sure yeah. i mean not predicting i mean th- like the studies you that see I'm that's seeing. where it's going yeah i yeah. see that's where it's going and so i think we're really ahead of the game on this and mm-hmm. sometimes when you're ahead of the game it's illegal yeah and you're not supposed to do it but i don't know i think uh it's it should be illegal for people just to keep dying the way that it that they are it's completely mm-hmm. unacceptable that we're like we're not doing more yeah i mean no many no no more people have died of anything ever mm-hmm. uh in canada that i know of do you no I, but I, I was reading a stat and this is in canada but it was the u.s that uh, i believe more more people have died from uh the opioids crisis in the U.S. than they did at the height of the the AIDS epidemic in the yeah. uh, the eighties and nineties. So, it, the, the numbers are staggering when you, yeah. when you do look at them. And again, like I said, eleven more than eleven people per day are dying in this country, and we're not a big country in terms of population. So, I mean, partially, like I'm, you know, I'm dealing with death every day, and and in in a certain way, you know, just this sort of illegal thing that they're talking about in this police press conference just isn't it doesn't even touch the other things that i'm dealing with Mm -hmm. in terms of like the reality that you know that what we're trying to do yeah and i think that reflects on your principles though and that's that's again really attractive in a in a politician or someone that you want to represent you is, is someone who is willing to stand up for what they believe in whether it's quote unquote illegal um that said i mean you boast a really good resume for city council as well. Obviously, you, as you said, you've accomplished quite a bit on uh, on Parks Board. You've done a lot in the community. There's no doubting that. Um, I guess my, my curiosity is you're doing all of this work in the community as well. Why did you feel like right now was the right time to get back into the, the policy end, the politics end? Well, I, th- I really do believe uh, right now would be... Uh, uh, time to have a person like me uh in the middle of the opiate crisis uh you know it'll give 
that much, I think, I'm hoping it gives that much more credibility when I'm talking to all levels of government mm -hmm. um, to be in government and also being active in the community at the same time. Right. Yeah. So I feel like it's a, a good time to get get in there and do some of the work and see what's going on and make sure that a lens is being looked at all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, and as we go through housing, making sure that there's someone talking about this issue, talking about housing issue and, and talking about um, uh, bringing uh, everybody, all levels of government together. And, I, and I've been seen to do that. Mm -hmm. I've been shown that I, it's possible. So I, I believe that uh, on other issues, we're going to need all levels of government working together. And I think that I'm, I can push pretty hard <laughs> all on my own. And, I don't doubt and, you. And, you know, it's an interesting election because I think an independent has an opportunity to win in this election. So um, That's my next question, actually. Yeah. Um, when you were on Parks Board, you were with Vision Vancouver. But for city council, you're choosing to run as an independent. Why did you make this choice? Because I feel like, again, with your resume, with um, the work that you've done in the community, there would be a lot of parties that would love to have you on as a candidate, but you've taken this route uh, to be an independent. Why? Well, finance uh, reform has given an opportunity um, for you to be a, an independent and be able to maybe make it on your own. I feel like it's an opportunity to try um, just to have a campaign where, you know, I'm working with the people, mm -hmm. um, have my own campaign. I, I mean, I'm right in the middle of an overdose crisis. So, um, you know, on the front lines. Mm -hmm. So uh, in a lot of ways, it's just, it's easier to do it this way. Um, I have a lot of respect for, you know, people in parties and, and, and the work that they're doing. I just wanted to try it this way, and I think that um, you know to to focus on specific messages, um, and I just thought maybe there might be an opportunity this time. Mm -hmm. And I'm a woman, and I want to get out there and be strong, and and uh, and try something different. For I've sure. always kind of been of some mind that um, the hardest hill. You know, I <laughs> trying to take, you know, a new road uh, to see if it's possible, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. so it uh, it's tougher. I don't always take the easy route. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and not that that's the easy route this time around either. Um, no, I, I think it's very unclear know? what the easy route is. But yeah, I, I yeah, I don't think it's like a predictable thing. But I can tell you that, um, well, with one other independent being um, elected in the past and also just like when you're an independent, you're not, you, you know, you're just, I, I feel like you, you're not partisan. You don't have to, you know, engage in this party versus that party. Right. You're kind of like, if these guys say something good, that's positive. Yes. Uh, you know, and if these guys say something, it's not the politics kind of, I would hope, you know, I'm hoping that comes out of it where it's just like, um, do you feel like you you've been given a lot more freedom as an independent? Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 definitely free. Yeah. Um, and I and 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 actually, it's fun being part of a, a like it was fun being part of Vision. Sure. It was fun being part of a team, um, and making decisions together. Um, I I I'd ha I have to say that like my freedom right now, um, I wouldn't have as much ability to not to be free. Um, in some ways, just based on that I'm in the middle of an overdose crisis. So, sure. you know, I don't have, um, I'm, I'm quite focused. 
and uh, and it's difficult. Yeah. But, uh, but and but it's still your choice. And yeah. I think that's what's remarkable. No one's telling yeah. you to do this, or no one's telling you, you have to be at this event or that event. Yeah. You're, you're doing your advocacy work, your yeah. work in the community, while also running for yeah. office on your terms. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's a and, and you know I think like if a couple of us or one of us can do it, you know, in the future someone will go. I'm going to, you know, it'll give a little more. It could give more hope to people that want to yeah. do the independent route and throw on a good campaign all by themselves. And and uh, it, that's democracy, you know, just having a bunch of people with good ideas and growing momentum and sure. making some flyers. And, fun, you know, the way that you you have to fundraise now, you can only get up to $1,200 from a person. That's right. And uh, it makes so it makes it kind of a more level playing field for everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, so who knows? I think the more grassroots effort, you know, might be the effort that wins. I mean, there's still a lot of door knocking and phone calling, and um, it, I, you know, I, it's hard to even know. Like yeah. you know, as you can see, there's lots of people running, and there's a, there's lots of people running, and and you know, you said like. The, the, the playing field is a lot more even, which is true, but there's a ton of people running. Like, I'm thinking yeah. just logistically about this ballot for city council. There's going to be 71 names on that ballot. And they're randomizing the names on the ballot, which sounds like a great idea. But then when you realize that to find Sarah Blythe, it's not just I got to look for the bees and, yeah. and find Blythe. I got to go through that whole list. Well, it's kind of <laughs> like a lottery yeah. situation where, you know, if you... <laughs> If you win the lottery of where your name is going to be and it's number one, well, that's good for you. It helps. Yeah, yeah, it helps. So I don't know. It's a bit. I don't know. I don't. We'll, we'll see how that goes. It's going to be an interesting but, experiment. But I mean, sure. at least I, you'll know in advance where your name is on the ballot and, and there's parts to it that'll be interesting. The whole thing is different than it has been. And, the, and different is good. It mix it up a little bit. Um, you know, I am a bee. And uh, and that I'm sure was helpful in other elections. So, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I give mean, yourself like, a little credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. Uh, you know, but like, let's just, you know, I, there's always been that question. So, yeah, they are mixing it up and that's fine. Let's see how, and, how it goes. you know, I do like A, B's and C's do have, you know, the flukiest uh, way of rising to the top. Like right. Affleck, Ball. You know those kinds of names, um, and not to say that they're not those <laughs> those aren't good people that have run and 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 served, uh, but I, I you know you start to wonder uh, whether the ABCDs are well, uh, you don't even have to start to wonder, but yeah, they, they seem to float to the top. So this way, you're floating to the top randomly, and I guess that's actually a good observation. Uh, Af- Affleck, Ball, Bremner, Carr. <laughs> Yeah. They're up there. Yeah, I think that, that with the the other election that the, that it wouldn't have had much to do with uh, Bremner in the, no fair enough. There's yeah, not yeah. Very many I was just thinking the of the, the but the the, the thing about it is is that people will look at a seventy person ballot and they'll look at the top five people and then they'll go then they go to the bottom so mm-hmm. you'll get people with Z and W yeah and then they go in the middle sometimes to pick out right it's just and I hate to 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 break it down like that but sometimes it just you know that's a natural thing that I think that people. No, do. absolutely, and and I so. think that's the the concern I'm almost having is that maybe now the nice that thing ballot... is, is that you can pick who you want. You yeah. don't have to pick a whole everybody. Exactly. So you can go. I like this person I know about. I like this person I know about, and I like this person I know about, and I'm voting for them. Sure. 
but it almost enables or at least makes it easier just to go down the ballot and pick a party. Right. I know we just yeah, talked about yeah, yeah. independence, but now it's yeah. like you don't even have to know the people's name. You just kind of look for vision or MPA or whatever. And uh, you're just kind of going through the ballot that way. And, it, and it, I don't know if there's a quick fix for this because there's so many people. <laughs> that's the yeah. problem or not problem, but I that's think, the issue. You know, in some ways, I think if every ballot was randomized, yeah, that might have been the, the most... You know, um, so like every ballot that came out was a different 70 people. Oh, in the thing. okay. So it mixed it up every time. Then you would never get the ABCD yeah. thing that, that people are worried about. And maybe take out. But um, how would you, I don't even know how. But you, I was thinking take out party name. Because yeah. then you actually have to know who you're voting for at least. Yeah, I don't know. I know that becomes anyway. weird, but anyway. <laughs> uh, I don't think that you could do that. But I no, could, probably I could, not. But I could see the seventy being mixed up every single time because I think that that would if if they're trying to get rid of the the A B C D thing, mm -hmm. then like by uh, by just like having it lotteryized, then whoever's at the top, they may not have the yeah because you you have more you have the same. Uh, ballots where you're on the top as you are on the bottom as you are in the middle if every ballot was randomized yeah every, every but yeah. i don't know if but, that's possible yeah and <laughs> and like i don't know we could probably talk all day about how everything could be in in changed in every different way for and, sure yeah and uh it being fair 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 yeah and uh i don't know one thing i do want to ask you um yeah. because it, it obviously comes up with your past political experience what is your current relationship with Vision or, or any other party? Um, well, I'm really busy right now, uh, <laughs> yeah. again. But um, but I have good. Re I try and have good, decent working relationships with all all parties. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to work with everybody mm -hmm. that I get elected with, if I get elected, if yeah. people choose me. Um, so I want to have a good working relationship where um, we are able to move uh, work forward. And move good projects forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, ideally, you have the best situation would be uh, a bunch of people who want to move the city forward, mm -hmm. and 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 you know ex respect good ideas. And I mean, that's kind of idealistic. But I would, you know, that's what I think everybody going into this, I would hope, would give that a chance yeah. when they get elected. And frankly, no matter from what party, yeah. like you know, uh, and I'm just hoping. That somehow we can foster a situation where we're all elected by a big, huge group of people. Well, maybe not huge, but hopefully this election, because mm -hmm. there's so many people, lots right. of people come out and vote. But um, that we're there, each one of us, to represent and each issue, um, you know, just try as much to take the political aspect of it and just mm -hmm. and just um, and have a kind of a collaborative effort. And that's uh, what voters should expect as well. Yeah. I think voters yeah. should have that high expectation of, of anyone, no matter if they're independents yeah. or in, in parties, but they should expect people to go in there and, and do their best for, for their community in good faith. Yeah. And I think that's what's so appealing about you and, and why I think you do have a very good reputation uh, amongst those that obviously know you and know who you are. I will, on Park Board, you know, I mean, it's less political in some ways. I mean, my first Park Board was great. We had uh, the Green Party, we had COPE, and we had the NPA, mm -hmm. Ian Robertson, who was amazing. And, um, you know, he'd come with good ideas, and he'd, we'd, had, we'd have great conversations about, you know, 
why why he would bring something forward and maybe we would discuss his con- our concerns and if we didn't come co- to consensus you know along the way mm-hmm. when we went to the meeting we listened to people then we would you know it was it it seemed to be pretty um we were we tried to be not political it's a little easier on park board because you, you know you wouldn't really want to be too political at park board you, i would hope not park- <laughs> but you know what i mean it's a it's it's um it seemed like the next park board that I was on with Melissa de Genova and John Cooper, they, you know, we sort of sat down and said, this is the park board, uh, or I sat down with them and said, this is the park board. Let's try and make this uh, not political because mm-hmm. we just want to make nice parks for people. And yeah. it just seemed to um, want to have a, you know, just politi- politicize everything mm. and not have those conversations about uh, what, what, we should do better just sort of gotcha politics where you know right. you spring st- stuff on people in the middle of a meeting and and try and you know what i mean so yeah. it's just not um it's not collaborative it's just it feels destructive and mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not good and it doesn't feel good and i don't like it and uh so i'm i'm gonna try and push for something uh more collaborative and, and again, yeah. that, I think that is the appeal of the independent. That's in the, yeah. that's the appeal of you, and then that's the appeal of a lot of other independents. Mm-hmm. Where at least the hope in, is, is that they're going in with good faith. They're not going to be trying to push a party agenda, um, and they're working together for the people. Because, yeah. like I said, I think voters do have to hold their elected representatives accountable. Yeah, for voters being really, willing to collaborate. Yeah, and be, voters being to work. Uh, voters love it. When when politicians are working together collaboratively, yeah. making stuff happen for the city, I mean that's all they want. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's kind of the point. They, yeah, <laughs> they they pay their taxes, you know. When they see, you know, they don't. It's it's just it's very awful to see, you know. I, I, you know, you get caught up in it a little bit. I think in politics, there's just there's no way out of it. Really, is it's you know it can be kind of a game in in terms of like you know you guys did this and then we're doing you know what i mean i Mm -hmm. i I think that that's kind of unavoidable and you see it in all politics right so for sure it because you know there's a winner and a loser and it's like you know what i mean it's just i i just you know so let's say you do win and you're on city council one thing um i'm not sure if you've said it directly but i've heard other people talking about it is is you being on the vancouver police board yeah so if you win how does that happen what's the process to for you to get on that board uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully you'll get to find out. <laughs> but if, you know, if the opportunity uh, presents itself, I'll be the first in line for mm-hmm. sure. But um, I know the mayor's on the police board. Yeah. So he's, he, so uh, I'm not really sure if any councillors are. I think that one, it, I, I just don't even know though. Yeah. So I would like to, and if not, I'd like to see uh, a councillor be appointed to the uh, the police board. And sure. I'd like to be that person. And mainly it's only because I think that we need to start training people in 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 de-escalation. Mm. I think a lot would go, you know, I think the, the and I've, I've raised this with officers, is that, you know, take a guy's sleeping bag that's homeless. The guy that has the sleeping bag gets angry and, yeah. you know, and it escalates the situation. Yeah. To the point where the guy ends up in handcuffs, mm-hmm. right? That's no good. Yeah. I mean, that's just, there's nothing good about that. And, and I've seen that, right? So, and what's the point of, of doing that? And I any see of that. that right? 
And that's the thing I'm seeing in, in the, the, what worries me, and I feel like there's an injustice when you're seeing people escalate situations that could easily be dealt with in a kind, compassionate way. Mm-hmm. Um, it may take more time. It takes a lot more patience, maybe some in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but understanding that sleeping out in the rain and having other, you know, maybe doing survival sex trade, maybe doing, um, you know, survival anything no nobody you know it's a a whole bunch of things that maybe you don't understand as a police officer in your privileged situation Mm -hmm. or another per you know it's so it's really hard to um it's you know they have people have to be trained i think in in understanding the different privilege that you have and the compassion has to be endless to a situation that you don't understand Mm -hmm. and you can't make you know you like making a situation that's you know a person like sleeping in the rain and the cold worse than it already is is just like what are you gonna expect is gonna happen and and then criminalizing uh people in such a poverty situation and uh is just a i just don't think that that's that's just not the way to go. Sure. Uh, and so I think that there's a lot of things that can be done. I've been trained in de-escalation. It d- doesn't come naturally always for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a lot of, it takes work because in compassion, it, it, it takes some um, understanding and, uh, you know, not taking things personally. And, and so I see interactions that I think that could be dealt with a lot better um, and could be avoided. Yeah. And 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 I just think uh if we, if there was a bit more of a focus on that, I think that we would we would get in a better place with with VPD. Sure. Do you think yeah. part of the the problem is and I'm not talking about the the police specifically, I'm talking about our culture as a whole is that we look at homelessness and we look at um, what's happening in the downtown east side with almost a defeatist attitude in the sense that we think this is always going to be there. Like, do you feel that there aren't enough people who really believe that it doesn't have to be this way? Well, yeah, I, I, I just don't think I, you know, I, I think that it's not a priority. Uh, and there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of work that's been done and being done. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that decriminalization is going to help a lot, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that people have safe access to drugs because yeah. that's a, that's an issue for sure. Um, it's the, the big issue that all level government need to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to stop criminalizing drug users, um, finding people homes, uh, you know helping people with mental health issues more Mm -hmm. than we do um uh, a lot of people have uh, issues you know with schizophrenia they're given a bunch of bubble packs like it's you know they're going you know live in a house by yourself Hmm. it's just there's not enough um there's not enough help for people and not enough uh, support for people with severe mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we really, if it really came down to it, and people really understood the issues, they we'd be quite ashamed with the way the we, sh- way, we yeah. should be. To yeah. be honest, we'd and, be quite ashamed. And... It's it's a lot more. It's and that's why again I get upset about you know thinking about high hopes is such a bad thing because there's so many worse things going mm-hmm. on 
that that's are happening that are a total shame mm-hmm. um that how we treat our most vulnerable people and um so it's just you know we gotta prioritize some of this stuff and, and listen i i and put I, effort towards some i of this will stuff. cop to it as well like i feel like i'm a fish in water where you know i'll go in certain areas or drive through certain areas and totally have blinders on in terms of ignoring it but when you look at it, it is it is a shame. And mm-hmm. it always hits me when there's an out-of-towner or someone from a different country who comes visits, and they say, you know, oh, Vancouver's beautiful, and I, and I had lunch in Gastown, but then I turned on the wrong street, yeah. and this this did not look like Vancouver. This did not look like a uh, a nice place. And again, it, it's it's one of those things that I, f- I feel as a culture, we've almost just accepted that this is the reality when it doesn't have to be and when yeah. we do have so much wealth around us um it seems like and in political will people like you uh, other people in the community other volunteers in the community um if we could just mobilize all of that with some public policy well we have people who at the overdose prevention site where that i work with um side by side and then i go home at night and then they go and you know after they've saved lives mm-hmm. And they go and they stay either in a homeless shelter or a tent wow. or something like that. So these are life-saving heroes um, that are helping people. Uh, and it's, I don't know, I, like I had a dream the other night. I was like living in an apartment where there was like a glass wall that led to outside and there was a person sleeping next to me and I was inside and the person sleeping next to me was like laying on the pavement in the rain. Yeah. And it's like, I mean... It, like you couldn't sleep like that, right? No. Because you would see that. No, and, and, yeah, and, that's and, exactly, and, exactly and you'd true. see their face, and 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 I guess it's just that we're like we can't be disconnected to that, and and a lot of those folks um, really need our help, and it's terrible that uh, and and you know the poisoning and everything else, it's it's all wrapped up together, and we just. You know, decriminalization, not criminalizing drug users, um, treating it as a mental health, you know, a, a med- sorry, not mental health, but a medical crisis, mm-hmm. helping people get better and in different parts of their life. is It's actually going to, you know, breaking into someone's car costs someone money. Yeah. Um, criminal, you know, putting them in jail costs someone money. An mm-hmm. overdose in the overdose crisis costs money because... Um, if it's out, if it's like in the alley and the ambulance brings them to the hospital and they're in a hospital for a couple of days, that costs money. Mm-hmm. If you give people safe access to drugs, you're going to end up stopping the crisis to a certain degree, like to a big part. Mm-hmm. Stop, you know, criminal activities. Stop survival sex trade, putting yourself at risk for people like Picton. Yeah. Lots of things will be changed. And it's it's just the elephant in the room uh, and people are afraid in political situations to do something about it mm-hmm. someone has to be bold um and do something about it yeah and uh yeah we're trying to be bold and do something about it it's not that easy i mean we've thought you know if we could get a safe access to heroin we would just give that out i mean uh i would rather the government do it because it's the right thing to do mm-hmm. but it it really needs to happen and uh you know, high hopes is sort of a desperate attempt to just do something. Yeah. Uh, for us, and um, yeah. But I think you're, you know, going back to the the politics or the policy side of it. I think your participation in this election is great because 
all you hear is housing, 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 which obviously is a big issue for a lot of people. Yeah. But there are other issues that do require urgent action, urgent Well, attention. I can tell you one thing for absolutely sure. People lose their housing because they're, they, they move out of their apartment. It's too expensive. They can't afford rent. Mm-hmm. They get in an accident. They get injured. They end up homeless, mm-hmm. in homeless shelters. Yeah. And I can tell you one of the scariest things uh, working in a homeless shelter, which I did uh, for a number of years, uh, was that it's like you and me. I was like, whoa, this guy who's like, you know, he's got a really great education Hmm. and, um, you know, had a normal job and, you know, got an injury doing something or illness or Hmm. one guy had uh, his his vision went and he was like partially blind and and ended up at the homeless shelter and wasn't even a drug user and he was an older man and, and, you know, he, he was had a normal life and hmm. you know doing whatever it's it's not you know it's just it's people think it's here and then it's there but it's not it's not at all it's yeah. it's we're all human beings and uh some you know uh, grew up in poverty and and trauma and are mm-hmm. having need helps uh, our most vulnerable people are the ones that end up in situations they didn't Trauma's get the help big of, one, right? I like mean, Gabor Mate was talking has, yeah, has talked so, about drama. Yeah, and, and so another thing is is that like in school, we end up having children who, you know, have learning disabilities and then they slip through the system and through mm. the cracks and they um they end up uh they end up not getting the help that they need or they end up, you know I think a lot of this stuff could be helped along the way. Yeah. With more help in our schools. Yeah. Actually. So, well, it's a holistic system. I, think, I have right? some. I have some other ideas. Like I, I do believe that we need to start matching up our, uh, our budgets where the, um, the the school board and the park board have sort of budgets that match up at the same time, with uh, you know different uh, different boards, so that when, um, when we're building for our communities, mm-hmm. that we build. You know. Uh, uh, is this me or is this you? Is, oh. is it me? Oh, it might geez. be you. That's okay. Who is this? You're a busy oh, lady. Geez. You're in demand. Um, um, yeah, so the, the uh, what was I? Oh, okay. Yeah, so the, it's like community hubs so that you have your, your daycare, you have your community center, you got your swimming pool. Like, it's kind of like Britannia. Mm-hmm. One-stop shop for everything, and you can combine your budgets, make something more fabulous. Right. All at the same time, whether it be the library, whether it be the, the, the you know, and, and, and then you're not driving your kid everywhere. Your kid can go from, you know, uh, the library to the, the community center to a program to school and mm-hmm. to this or to that you know to their whatever they need and uh i think that having that all bundled up together in different neighborhoods and saving money and and you know not having to drive around as much those that would be partially what i would one thing i would push for i, I was hoping to do a little more about that on uh, park board um you know, we're just do working. park board and school boards they collaborate like that at all, or at least in your time. Uh, when yeah, you're there? Uh, I was the chair. Patty Backus was the chair. We were in contact. We had ide- We we did work on some ideas together. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So you're, you're you're one to make it happen. Yeah, I <laughs> I I would really you know if there's opportunities that come up, making sure that we're all levels of in you know municipal government are are making sure that if you're building a school, uh, hey, is there an opportunity to do some sort of park board right. type thing or. Um, you know what are the what are the 
the opportunities to do everything to even library I, I think they do some of that now but I, I would really put a, a like a really a big priority on focusing on that just to make it make make spaces for people mm -hmm. um, building you know even fire halls and building everything together so right. it's, um, then you're you know obviously you're building one it's going to be less expensive than building like this over here and this over here and this over here right so synergies yes yeah, <laughs> yeah and you know co-op housing along with that and and uh, trying to create communities that are walkable and and that people can get what they need in their community and mm -hmm. um you know small business obviously and 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 making sure that there's opportunities for people to to do work in their community of everybody yeah yeah cool so. Just a, just a couple more things before we wrap up here. Uh, I am curious. You're you're obviously very busy. Um, you're you're still at the uh, at, at the overdose pr uh, prevention site there. Um, how is the campaign been? Uh, What's the, the feedback you're getting? What's the feeling you're having? I honestly, uh, I'm feeling good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, we've got a lot of support. People want to help. Um, they, you know, they're, we've got lots of grass. It feels really grassroots and it's really great. You know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, people are willing to help, um, do every kind of thing that you need in the campaign and door knock and all of those types of things. So I feel it's good. I feel like we have momentum and it's building and, mm -hmm. um, we have a campaign office, uh, in the downtown east side, which okay. is a pretty cool little place. I mean, we haven't done a lot out of it yet, but do you have people canvassing, uh, going door knocking on your behalf as well? Uh, not quite yet. Okay. I think we're going to focus that more in the, in the, um, the, in the middle of October. Okay. So I don't want to give away too many of my campaigns. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was just curious from like an independence point of view, like what you're doing and how it, yeah. how it's going. That's all. How do I feel? I feel like I'm building momentum. I mean, how are you ever to really know what's going on? I mean, I'd like to It'd be nice to have a poll with some of the council, but how do you, anyway. It's hard. And even polls. I Here, mean, we'll we have 70 candidates <laughs> and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. I, it's, yeah, and polls, whatever. But, and but even the mayoral it, polls, If you think you're doing place. good, you never know. And, and yeah. you know, uh, like internally in campaigns, they never really tell you how you're polling mm -hmm. because they don't want you to know. Because then if you're doing good, then you're, you're like, get lazy. And if then it, if you're doing badly uh then you get d disappointed and feeling terrible and you don't and strike me as someone that would get lazy though well you know what i mean <laughs> not even lazy i don't even know if that's complacent just, like maybe? complacent or yeah. oh i'm doing good you know i don't have to like yeah. you know uh, there's no urgency i mean and i and i think that's totally true mm -hmm. i think that uh if you think you're kind of just doing okay and you don't know if you're gonna make it you're gonna be like really pounding the pavement and and out there and so if you think you know I, I, there's got to be something there's mm -hmm. got there is something to that obviously so yeah uh just the urgent you know when you're playing your video game and there's the urgency like the music comes on and you know <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah i only i'm only saying that because i play my son's mario brothers and there's like the time's up ah, <laughs> knock on the doors. you know what i mean and yeah you're not feeling that though you're or are you feeling that I'm feeling that. Okay. Yeah. I'm feeling all about a lot. Yeah. I'm feeling like, oh my God, there's a month to go. There's lots of time. And then I'm feeling like, oh my God, there's a month to go. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, there's 70 I... people. Who are those people? <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen? And then, you know, in the campaign every day, there's like a new thing that happens. And yeah. you're like, oh my God, this happened. Yeah. And I guess the new it's cycle. Kinda, it's exciting, actually. Yeah. Uh, but it's, 
And the news cycle's so quick. Like, something happens, but then something else happens later yeah. that day or the next day. And yeah. You're on to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a bit whatever. What, uh, whatever. Like, I find it, you know, it is a bit exciting um, that getting the momentum you know, hopefully there's a little excitement built uh, mm-hmm. around the campaign that people are excited to vote for certain people this election. And they yeah. know that's my candidate and they're going to represent me. And, you know, that's kind of what you're hope I'm hoping to build, like that I have an office at City Hall and you're welcome there. Mm-hmm. Come and come and see me and yell at me if you need to. You know, <laughs> like. Well, you're trained in de-escalation, yeah, right? So yeah. you're, you're equipped for that. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like people... Are you know people generally come to you when they're mad, yeah, and uh, and you're there to find them a solution to that problem, sure, and uh, or at least you know try and lay out what you can and can't do, or or what you think you know what their options are, and you know help them along the way, mm-hmm. and so and I think I'm I'm pretty you know I'm not an expert at everything, but I think I pretty much know how to help them with that, mm-hmm. and so um, you know I I'll. I'd like to be able to offer people information on how to to do some positive activism and, you know, what, you know, how to get through the system that can be very frustrating at times. You know, yeah. bureaucracy can be slow and uh, and just knowing what to expect can yeah. be very helpful. You know, like we our first skateboard park took like years, you know, of knocking on doors and education campaigns that were, you know, harmless and. And then when you get it built, it's so exciting. And, you know, just being able to run through how, like I did, we did that with many parks, you know, with people. So we'd rebuild a park and, you know, people would be upset about the park. And then, it made, you, know, it's, you know, it's either gentrifying the park or it's, um, or it's, you know, not doing whatever. And just getting through these conversations and having an outcome where people come at the very end of the day when they open the park and they go, this is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, you get mostly everyone, mm-hmm. you know, back on board. You know, if, if things along, there's bumps along the way, you know, I'm unhappy about this. Okay, how do we, you know, make sure that this happens for this community so to make sure that this is the best park for their community? And, you know, it's it's fun. One, one of the things be... I've heard from a few politicians and from, from citizens as well is, you know, they just wish that these some of these processes – were easier and it sounds yeah. like there are some duplicate processes and there's a, um not a sense of clarity with certain things and i guess the hope would be someone who understands the system uh yeah you, you've already been in there goes in there and starts optimizing some of these processes yeah 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 i mean i i think that there can only be more working on that i think it's always mm-hmm. um you know making processes simpler for people and easy to understand yeah. as possible I, I think that's when people are frustrated when they don't know you know they they don't know what the process is or um what the timeline is and um so as easy and simple as we can make things mm-hmm. um, and focusing on that and uh, and also letting people know when things aren't possible yeah and 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 giving them you know a really good accurate reason why and and so that there can be that conversation and 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 what is possible this isn't possible but this is and For how sure. this could be possible and how long it's going to take and and just taking that time to make sure that people understand everything and mm-hmm. and putting that energy into it and it's a lot of work yeah but uh but, you know, I think there's uh, some new ways of doing things uh, that that could be explored. So I think we just need to continuously 
get information out as much as possible to people. The more informed people are, the happier that they are about different things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the communicate like always in any kind of situation that goes negative, it's communication that's the problem for sure in a lot of ways. Yeah, the communication broke down and um, people weren't able to to have a good understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in the spirit of communication, if people want to support you support your candidacy where should they go how do they uh how do they show your how do they show your support their uh, support i should say well i you know they can go to our website they can go sarahblyde.ca i think that's what it is uh, <laughs> um uh oh and um they can um you know tweet and you know, let people know that they support me and that they're going to vote for me and they can write letters to their you know their five other friends and say hey this is a good person to vote for if you're going to vote in the election I, and and they're going to be tough and um and stand up for people and and try and make the city a better city and mm-hmm. uh and on facebook and twitter and emailing and sending letters and and letting people know Election aside, um, I really do hope that more people share your story as well and, sh- and share the story of what the Overdose Prevention Society is doing. Um, how do people get involved with the yeah. with OPS? Well, uh, there's a way to, uh, I mean, they can email me at uh, blythe2008 at gmail.com and, uh, and, and I can send them to our... Uh, our um, volunteer coordinator. Okay. And uh, they coordinate volunteers. Um, people sometimes put on fundraisers. Uh, we're having a fundraiser at SBC uh, Skate Shop. Uh, it's on Hastings Street on the 30th. They can come to that and, and just have September fun. September 30th? Yeah. yeah. And support uh, ops. Um, also, uh, just, just awareness. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of what else they can do. <laughs> they can Google. They can learn more about yeah, you. Yeah. You've, you've been in the news. So yeah. there's definitely a lot there. And, and um, it's, it's for, first of all, I just want to say I appreciate you being here on the show. Um, but, but more than that, I think, you know, in a world where we can find ourselves saying, I wish someone would do something, you're living proof that as soon as you say that or think that idea then you yourself should be that person to go out and go do something. And especially if it's something that you really do believe in. And the fact that you're out there in the community, you're taking action in the face of potential legal risk, perhaps risk to your personal safety, uh, but nevertheless taking action and literally saving lives. It's uh, truly inspiring and truly remarkable. And, and I just want to reiterate, like putting the the – election aside I, I i do hope that more people learn about your story and about what you're doing oh, thank it's really you. remarkable yeah i i really hope and i also hope that uh you know partially um you know uh, like i i have a grade 10 education and like i've you know i'm just a, a person that doesn't have you know it hasn't always had a huge privilege and i would hope that people identify with me and they say you know what i can do this kind of stuff too like sarah you know, I, I want people, you know, I'm just an average person who, uh, I, I know that might sound sort of silly, but 
Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't sound silly at all. I think. But but like <laughs> I want you know it. The nice thing would be just to inspire you know everyday people that, that to get involved and do stuff mm-hmm. that you can. Yeah. And and you can be involved in 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 your community and you can do things and you can, um, you can make a difference, and uh, yeah, and and that was that would be what one thing I would say is that uh, if you believe in in what you're doing and yourself and. Uh, and you want to make a difference and in in whatever like just get out there and do it love it yeah i think that's a great <laughs> note to end on <laughs> ladies and gentlemen she embodies courage heroism and the ability to change the game and she needs your support the mighty mighty sarah blythe and i'm mo amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything be colorful peace